want to, you can remain seated. I'm going to read a couple verses here in a minute. Amen. But I, I, want, to, I want to take a few minutes tonight. A few minutes is relative. Amen. Uh, a few minutes out of a day. That's not much. Amen. So I'm going to take a few minutes tonight. And I, and I want to talk about two words that perhaps may not really seem like they're related to each other uh, at first. And, uh, but I want to talk about these two words. And uh, I want to declare or make this statement that uh, I believe these two words are opposite sides of the same coin, if I can say it that way. I want to, I want to at least as far as the subject that I want to talk about is, is concerned, I believe that these two words are very much related and oftentimes we don't really think about the second word that I'm going to talk about uh, in this subject matter. Amen. So I want to begin reading and what I want to talk about is I want to talk about forgiveness and trust. Those are the two words that I want to talk about. Forgiveness and trust. So there are things in life that are inevitable. Used to be a saying, and I don't know how true it is now, but it used to be a saying that, that you can, the only thing that was certain was death and taxes. Nowadays, I'm not sure you have to pay taxes. And Lord willing, I, we may not die. <laughs> it's getting more and more likely that some of us may not die. And we might just go into rapture. Amen. So those th two things may not be inevitable. But there are some things that are inevitable. The sun's going to rise in the east and it's going to set in the, re in the rest. How about the west? Amen. Uh, but there are other things that are inevitable. They happen to all men, good, bad, Ph.D. or G.E.D., large bank account or no bank account. It really doesn't matter. Some things are going to happen to us all. The, the one verse in the, in the Word of God says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's going to rain. And we're all going to get wet. You ain't got a big enough umbrella to stay out of the rain. Because we're not talking about the physical rain. We're talking about the rain of offense. The Word of God uses the word offense or offended. And we all have things to us we all have things happen to us that wound our spirit. They break our heart. They cause us to question our value. Those are offenses. There's a saying, and I was shocked at this. I looked it up. There's a saying, because I'm just curious sometimes. There's a saying that goes all the way back. You're... Now, Google could have lied, okay? I understand that. Google does not have all truth. But, but I think I've checked enough resources. 
there's a saying that goes all the way back to 300 B.C. That's a long time. (laughs) And the saying is this. Time heals all wounds. Time may be a good healer for physical wounds. You twist an ankle, put it up for a little while, give it some time, it'll all be good. You cut yourself, you any kind of physical wound, it, give it time. As long as it doesn't get infected, it's going to get better. And you don't even have to go to a doctor. You probably should, but <clears throat> some of us, my son has this scar on his knee. And he needs to hear what we're going to talk about tonight. He's got this scar on his knee. When he was a youngster, we lived in a mobile home. And uh, his bedroom, I don't know who the genius was who thought this was a good idea. But his bedroom had windows from the floor to the ceiling. Maybe the genius was not putting my son in that bedroom. But, so... I don't know what he did, but he put his knee through the window. And he laid his knee open pretty good. And, you know, I took him, laid him on the couch and looked at it. Ah, uh, you'll be all right. Put a Band-Aid on it, made it stop bleeding, put some stuff on it so it didn't get infected. You'll be all right. He probably needed about four, four or six stitches. But he'd be all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it always comes up. He's like, yeah, look at the scar, Dad. He needs to hear the lesson tonight. It healed. I didn't take him to the doctor. I should have. But it healed. He's all right. He has a scar. Brings character to his life. Time will heal some things. But a spiritual wound or a wound to the heart, an offense, time does not heal. The reality of it is the opposite. An unatt- a wound or an offense unattended to will actually cause a minor thing to become fatal. A minor offense unattended to, time will not heal it. Time will only make it worse. Time will only make it larger. Time, if it's not attended to, will make it fatal. Isaiah 57 and 15 says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to receive the spirit of the humble and to receive the heart of the contrite ones. That same verse in the uh, Young's literal translation, for thus said the high and exalted one inhabiting eternity, And holy is his name. In the high and holy place I dwell. And with the bruised and humble of spirit. 
to receive the spirit of the humble. I'm sorry, to revive the spirit. I said receive earlier too, it's revive. I can't read, honest. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the bruised one. The word contrite in this verse means crushed. God said, this is God speaking, God said, I'm the one who is high and lofty, and this is what I do. I revive the spirit of the contrite, of the humble, of the broken. I, it's my desire to take that which is crushed and to revive it. It's not, it's not my purpose or my plan. It's not my desire. Another verse, I didn't look it up, but another verse very familiar says, a broke, it talks about a broken uh, uh, bent reed and a smoking flax. I'll not break a, a bent reed or a wounded reed, and I will not quench a smoking flax. God's desire is to take that which is crushed and to revive it. That's his desire. That's what he wants to do. Psalm chapter 34, verse, verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are broken, that are of a broken heart, and saveth such to be of a contrite spirit. Why, why is that important? It's important for us to understand the motive and the desire of God. What does God desire to do? God desires, God longs for. Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah 65, talks about uh, Isaiah is prophesying and he says the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. And then and it talks about the coming Messiah and then in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, I believe, is where it starts. Jesus has just come out of the wilderness, and he goes into the temple. And as he goes into the temple, this, is, this always amazes me, because I, I, I I'd like to know the rest of the story. Some of you all have no idea what that means. I would like to know the rest of the story. For all those Paul Harvey fans, you understand. So... Jesus walks in the, 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 the tabernacle or the temple and the Bible says, did it, I want to know, did he reach and grab a certain scroll? Did, 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 did the, the, the attendant just give him a scroll? I have no clue. But he takes the scroll and he begins to read in Isaiah. And after he reads it, he reads, and he reads the, the, the verse there, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach. He has anointed me to open the blinded eyes. He's anointed me to set at liberty. He's anointed me to set free. How does God restore the broken, the wounded heart, the wounded spirit? And I'm going to declare or say tonight that one of the main ways, one of the most important things that we as children of the Most High need to understand 
is the word forgiveness. It's by forgiveness. First, His forgiveness toward us. He forgives our shortcomings. He forgives, let me rephrase that and say it the right way. We, we, like, to, we like to make it sound more gentle. He forgives our sin. He forgives our failures. He forgives the things that we do that are wrong. And so forgiveness is one, if not the most important revelations a child of God can come to. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the revelation of forgiveness. Okay, and that's what I want to talk about. I I want to talk about the whole package called forgiveness. And the restoration of the broken, the restoration of the contrite, of the crushed, all really is revolved around forgiveness. In our text, Matthew uh, chapter 11, I'm going to read that again. And when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. That verse really kind of wraps up or kind of encapsulates, if I can use that word, the revelation of forgiveness. So forgiveness is a two-way street, if I can say it that way. Forgiveness is not just receiving, but it is also giving. And they are intertwined together to the point of you can only receive as much as you give. In, in this world, okay, in this world, this natural world, we can only give as much as we receive. If I don't have it to give it, right, then I can't give it. If, I, if, if, if someone in here needed a thousand dollars, and they, they came up and said, Brother Barr, I need $1,000. Will you give me $1,000? Sis back right there, wants $1,000. Let me see what I got. Not going to happen tonight, sis. I can't give her $1,000 because I don't have $1,000. I can only give what I have. That's, that's the natural. I can only... The more I have, the more I can give. We don't always live that way, but that's another message or another study for another night. But in this economy of forgiveness, it's the other way around. I can only receive as much as I give. 
God made a determination. I don't know when he made this determination. It's like gravity, okay? God determined that the earth was going to spin around the sun, and the earth is going to spin so fast that it was going to generate this thing we call gravity. And he determined that that motion would keep us from floating off of this planet out into the abyss. I don't know when he decided he was going to do that, but he decided that was going to be the law of nature, of the law of gravity. Mr. Newton figured it out when the apple fell and hit him in the tree, or, or fell from the tree and hit him in the head. He said, oh, look, that's called gravity. God determined that gravity would work. I don't know when God determined the law of forgiveness. I wasn't there. But in his infinite wisdom, he decided forgiveness is going to work this way. I'll give you as much forgiveness as you want. I will forgive you as much as you want to be forgiven. And I will know how much you want to be forgiven by how much you want to forgive. It's going to be very simple for me as God. I will pour all of this on you that you can take. But I'll know you'll have enough when you stop giving it away. That's the law of forgiveness. God said, I can only forgive as much as you forgive. And you say, Brother Bob, why, why are you making such a big deal about it? Because it's a big deal. If we really, truly grasp the revelation of forgiveness, forgiveness becomes like a no-brainer. Because let's be honest. Okay, I won't talk about you. I'll talk about me. I'm a messed up dude. I do dumb stuff. I say dumb stuff because I'm human. I'm not yet perfect. And I know, I know that I'm going to need lots of forgiveness. I know this is true. And so because I know it's true, I'm just giving it away. I, I don't really have a problem with forgiveness. And I know some of you are like shaking your head like, I don't believe you. It's not always been true. It's not always been true. I remember I was about, I guess I was 19 years old. Uh, I was in the Navy and I was, shit, I was sitting in uh, my shop and my supervisor, he, wasn't, he was a civilian. I was a Navy guy. He was a civilian. He ran the shop that I worked in. And I don't even know how we got on the conversation, but we got on the conversation of family, and he was asking me about my father, about my earthly father, my, my birth father. And I made, I don't even remember the statement I made, but I made some kind of derogatory statement because, and I said something to the effect that I, I don't, I have, I don't know my, earth, my birth father. I never met him. I have no desire to know him. There was this, this anger because my birth father, his name wasn't even on my birth certificate. Gone. And this man looked at me and he said, this guy's not even a Christian. 
And I'm supposed to be a Christian. I claim to be a Christian. He never made such a claim. And he looked at me and he said, Jim, you can't hate that man. You don't, you don't even know him. You don't, you don't know what he was going through. You don't, you don't know the circumstances of his life when you came into being. You can't judge him. You don't know him. And I, at that point, to be honest with you, I didn't really want to hear what he had to say. But he was older than me, and I was young, and, and I'm trying to be respectful. And I said, you know, you got a point. Years later, God began to help me to understand forgiveness. I still have never met Jack Christ. I know his name. That's the name of the man who, who impregnated my mother. His name was Jack Christ. I've never met him. But I have no ill will toward him. And I, I, forg- I have no, whether or not he needed forgiveness or not, I forgive him. Because God helped me to understand the only way that I was going to be free was to be able to say, I don't hold anything against Jack Christ. And and because of those things, I, I have no... A lot of people... Oh, Lord, I did not plan on going down this road. A lot of people... I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of people... And I know a lot of people that can, I'm just going to talk about me, okay? If I, if I mess up, I'm just going to be honest with you, and you might think less of me, but if I mess up, I'm not going to spend hours down in this altar begging God to forgive me. I don't care what I do. If I fall short, if I sin, I'm not going to spend hours down in this altar begging God to forgive me. For me, it's this simple. God, man, I blew it. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted in that manner. And I'm sorry. And I ask you to forgive me. And I'm on about my business. Because I think forgiveness is just that simple. All I have to do is with a sincere heart. Say to him, God, I messed up, and I want you to forgive me. And that's back there, and I'm going that way. I think forgiveness is that simple. But the only reason I, can, I believe I understand that is because I believe I understand the whole concept of forgiveness. I've got to hurry up. i still got to get to trust. Amen. So, uh only forgive as much as we can be forgiven. Acts chapter 26. I love the, I, this verse. Hear this verse. Uh, I, just one part of this verse. Acts chapter 26, verse 16 and 18. This is the apostle uh, Paul as he is called. We know him as Paul at this point. He is still going by the name of Saul. But rise and stand upon thy feet. This is God talking to Saul. For I have appeared unto thee for excuse me, for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which I have appeared unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, 
verse 18, to open their eyes. So Jesus is telling Saul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I brought you to this place because I have a purpose for you. I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Inherit among them, I'm sorry, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Saul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And I'm sending you to the Gentiles for a purpose. I'm sending you for a reason. And I'm not sending you just, not just because I, I, that, that the Jews aren't receiving what I'm saying to them, but I'm sending you to them that they can receive all of these things. Then the last part of that he says, so that they can receive forgiveness. And as I was reading that verse again this week, that phrase, receive forgiveness, kind of caught my eye and I wondered, to myself, have we received forgiveness? Not just have we been forgiven, not just have we accepted forgiveness, not have we just taken forgiveness, but have we received, what I mean by that, have we received, have we put our hands upon, have we grasped hold to forgiveness? The concept of forgiveness have we put our hands on truly walking in liberty because i think of the the importance or how critical it is for us to understand the whole scope of forgiveness and because of how important it is i believe our adversary will always attempt to bring us to a place of unforgiveness. Because of how critical forgiveness is, I believe time and time again, our adversary brings us back to a place of unforgiveness. And what I mean by that, he brings us to a place, our adversary brings us to a place where we are faced with unforgiveness. There's a, there's a uh, uh, Matthew West song that talks about forgiveness. And in that song, there's a phrase, I should have wrote it down, but there's a phrase that says something like, both the jury and the judge say, I have a right to hold, have a grudge. And then he goes on to, to talk about that, that word called forgiveness. So our adversary brings us time and time again to a place of unforgiveness. Now, I don't, I don't really have time to, I'm not going to read the whole parable. I'm just going to read the last two verses of a very familiar parable uh, for the sake of time uh, to just read the conclusion of Jesus. You know, Jesus told a lot of parables in the New Testament, right? Can we agree on that? That, that there were a lot of parables. Some of those parables he expounded on. Some of those parables he did not. 
This particular parable, I believe he goes even a little deeper than just expounding upon it. He makes a very clear declaration on this parable, which makes us understand that it was not just a parable. Matthew chapter 18, verse 34 and 35. He has just gone through the entire parable. uh, And basically the parable is this. A servant owes a little bit of money. He goes to his master and asks for forgiveness. His master forgives him of all of his debt. And then when he walks out of the courtroom, he throttles someone who owes him a little bit of money. And this is the reply that Jesus concludes. Verse 34 of Matthew 18. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him unto the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. So the Lord found out, the master found out that the man he forgave of this much, I'm I'm sorry, of this much, refused to forgive this much. And he became angry and he said, take the one that I've already forgiven this much. I've already wiped his slate clean. I've already declared him free. But I am am vetoing my forgiveness. Take him and throw him into the prison until he can pay off. And in verse 35, Jesus says this, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So Jesus in that last verse makes it very clear to us that this parable is more than just a parable. This is probably, in my opinion, one of the most sobering verses in all of Scripture. Because what this verse truly declares, I've been trying to walk with God since I was 18 years old. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 14, didn't have no clue what that meant. Left home, joined the Navy, realized that man, I I need God. And I don't know if it was joining the Navy. I don't know what it was. But I realized I, I, I need to know God. So I've been trying to know God since I was 18 years old. Had a messed up life before that. Still made all kinds of other crazy mistakes. I'm 58, going on 59 years old right now. Okay? So what this verse declares to me. So... Let's do the math. 58, 18, it's about 40 years, give or take, right? So for the last 40 years, I've had all kinds of mistakes. I've made all kinds, I've had all, I've sinned. Man, I've sinned. I've I've sinned. I've done things I shouldn't do. I just talked about a few minutes ago. I asked God to forgive me. I, 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 I probably ask God to forgive me, you know, every day. And most days, it's not, Lord, forgive me of those things I don't know that I did. 
It's God here. Forgive me of this. Forgive me of that. Forgive me of my bad attitude. Forgive me for saying what I said to that guy in the, the tech support guy on the telephone. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. He was from Microsoft. It's not his fault. And so, 40 years of forgiveness. Wiping my slate clean. Wiping my slate clean. Wiping my slate clean. I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Tomorrow, someone does something to me, and I say, I'm not going to forgive you. I make that statement. This verse says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Forty years of sin. Forty years of slate being wiped clean. Forty years. That's a lot of sin for me. Maybe not for you. My wife, just a bit. We all know she's so precious, so sweet. But for me, that scares me to death. I'm not, I, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to put myself in a place. I don't care what you do to me. There's nothing so bad that 40 years of sin is getting put back on Jim's back. It's not going to happen. But as I say that, there's this other verse spinning in the back of my head that says about he that stand, take heed lest he fall. I just made that statement, but I'm making that statement with faith. Because the only way it's truth is I have to read. I, I, every, time, every time I struggle with an offense, every time I struggle with forgiving someone, because I just told you, I, it's, there's been times it's not always been. Every time I struggle with it, I purposely go read that parable. Because Jim just does not want to go to hell. I don't want 40 years of sin put on my back. And if for no other reason, I'm going to make this declaration. Father, don't hold that against them. Father, forgive them. That forgiveness is making this, this is what forgiveness says. Forgiveness says is I'm not going to hold that thing against you. It doesn't say what you did is okay. It doesn't say what you did is right. It doesn't say what you did is I'm giving you permission to do it again. All forgiveness says is I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to bring it up. I'm not going to... That's, that's all forgiveness says. Because of this verse right here. 
I don't want forgiveness in my life like that. Okay, let me move on. This parable at the end of Matthew 18 helps us to understand this about God. So, the next question that comes to me is then this. Who should we forgive? Talking about offending, right? Talking about offenses. So who should we forgive? Anyone have an answer to that question? Everyone. Everyone. Okay. Who should we forgive? We should forgive everyone that offends us? Is that true? Should we forgive everyone that offends us? That was a trick question, just so you know. Should we forgive God? Has God offended? Can God offend? Man, that's a hard question. Because part of us want to answer it one way. Part of us are scared to answer it that way. Part of us want to say, yeah, God can offend. All right, what does the Bible say? Let's, what does the Bible say? Because that's the answer, right? Matthew 13, 57. Matthew 13 and 57 says, And they were offended in Him. Who's the Him? It's Jesus. They were offended in Jesus. Matthew 15 and 12. Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard thy sayings? The Pharisees were offended. Who were the Pharisees offended by? They were offended by Jesus. Who is Jesus? God robed in flesh. Correct? Will we agree on that? Jesus Christ incarnate is, I mean, Jesus Christ, the man, Jesus Christ, is God robed in flesh. So if Jesus Christ, God robed in flesh, offended the Pharisees, did God offend the Pharisees? If A equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C, correct? So, God offended the Pharisees. I know we don't like to say that. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 14, verse 27. And Jesus saith unto them, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he makes this declaration. Jesus saith unto them, All, how, who, who, how many? All, all 12 of you, all of you shall be offended because of who? I'm going to do something that all of you are going to get offended. Whoo, I don't like that. I really don't like that verse. For it is written, I shall smite the sheep and the sheep shall be scattered. My buddy Pete says, not me. These other yokels, they might get offended, Jesus. But I'm going to let you know right now. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing that's going to happen. I will not get offended. Peter, I've prayed for you, buddy. I'm paraphrasing. That's what Jesus said. I'm not going to get offended. A couple weeks ago, Brother Middleton was teaching, and he was, anybody remember what he taught about? Who he taught about? Job. He taught about Job. Let me ask you a question. Was Job offended 
By his friends or by God? That's a tricky question, too. I think he was offended by both. I'm not sure if his friends caused him to be offended by God, though. So his friends started telling, his friends show up. Job knew that Job was a good cat. I'm a good guy. I know that I'm good. I do everything that's right, kind of like the lawyer. I've done all of that, Lord. Job knew he was good. He had his act together. And his, bro- his buddies show up and said, Joe, what did you do, man? You must have really blown. I haven't done nothing. Man, dude, God don't act like that for nothing. You know you done messed up, Joe. I did not. Y'all need to get up off the brother. So I don't know if he got offended with God because of his friends or what. But he finally comes to a place where he starts talking to God. Hey, God, what about what the boys are saying? I, I don't understand. I, I, I don't know what's going on. And, and so after all that discord, he came to a where were you conversation. God began to say, where were you when I did this? I don't know if you've ever had a where were you conversation, but I've had a couple where God's had to say to me, wait, whoa, 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 hold up, Jim. (laughs) Let's, Let's backtrack. Let's talk about what you just said. It's not real good when you get to that place. Job, where were you when I slung the stars in the sky? Where were you when I said, let there be light, and there was light? Where where were you? In other words, he's saying, how can you even question me about this? let, Let me get to what I'm trying to get to, okay? So if God can offend, or let me put it this way, if we can be offended by what God does or doesn't do. If we can be offended by God, do we need to forgive God? And I think that brings us to the other side of the coin. No, we do not have to forgive God because he's done nothing wrong. What was he saying to Job when he said, where were you? Was he, was he ripping him? Was he ridiculing him? No, he was trying to help Job understand. Job, you, you, you can't comprehend what I comprehend. You, you can't understand what I understand. One writer said it this way, the thoughts of God are higher than our thoughts. The mind of God is greater than our mind. We, we, we are not on the level of God. And so he... he says to us, you've got to trust me. That's what he was saying to Job. Job, you've got to trust me. God does not need me to forgive him. God needs me to come to a place where I trust him. 
And when I get offended, now maybe some of you in this room are far more spiritual than me. And you would say, nothing in my life has ever happened where I was upset at God. Where I felt like God let me down. Maybe, maybe you've never come to that place. I have. And I've heard people make this statement and it bothered me when they made it. Well, you need to forgive God. No, I do not need to forgive God. Because God has done nothing that I need to forgive Him for. He's done nothing wrong. But I do need to trust God. I need to trust His nature. I need to trust His purpose. And I need to trust His Word. And the only way that I can trust God is to know God. And until I come to the place that I know God, if I can't trust God, then I don't know God. If I'm struggling with trusting God, that's a good thing to come to a place and say, I'm, tr I'm struggling trusting God. That's, that's good to know that. Because what you're declaring is, I don't know Him. I need to get to that place where I know Him. I need to know you. Paul said, I, I've got to know you. I've got to know you. I've got to know who you are. And the more we come to a place where we seek to know Him, and the more we know Him, the more we can honestly come to a place where we trust Him. Is life always going to be good? No. There are some things that God has to do in our lives that He cannot do without struggle, trial, taking out and putting back in. There's just some things He can't do without breaking us. And the only way not to get offended with God is to trust God. And so I have to learn to trust God. I'm going to conclude with, with this. I was going back to Peter. I love Peter. He's my buddy. Pastor talked about this a couple Sundays ago. And uh, Peter, I, I'm, not going to be, I'm not going to get offended by you. Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. So, but don't worry about it. I've prayed for you. When you're converted, strengthen the brethren. It's all good. You're going to get offended it's going to be ugly, but it's all right. It'll be good. Trust me. So, at the, after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, after Jesus comes and sees them once or twice, Jesus, or Peter, makes this statement. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Pastor talked about this a couple Sundays ago, and I was thinking about it. And, and as I was thinking about it, I've never really thought about it this way before. As I was thinking about it, I, I wondered this question. Whose idea was it for Peter to go fishing? Was it Peter's or was it Jesus's? Was it Peter's idea or was it one of those, I'm going to order your step moments? 
I'm not asking the question because I know the answer. I'm, I'm just pondering it. He goes fishing. He fishes all night and he catches nothing. And this is one thing Pastor and I have in common. I, I'm a visual person, so I try to envision the scriptures. And I see Peter sitting in the boat fishing all night. He hasn't caught nothing. He's just tired. And he's sitting there and he's like, last time I went fishing, I didn't catch nothing. Because we know the last time he went fishing. Last time I went fishing, I didn't catch nothing that time either. And about that time, he hears this voice from the shore. Hey, children, have you caught anything? Peter's like, whoa, wait a minute. I've heard that question before. No, we, we, we haven't caught nothing. And then the voice on the shore says, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter's starting to, his eyes are starting to get a little bigger. He's starting to remember, wait a minute. Last time I went fishing, I didn't catch nothing. Jesus said, have you caught anything? We said no. He said cast your nets on the other side. We cast our nets on the other side and we got all these fish. About that time, they start bringing all these fish. Peter says, I'm going swimming. Peter jumps in the water and he swims to the shore because it all started coming back together again. And through that whole discourse, I, the reason I asked whose idea was it for Peter to go fishing, because really all of that brings Peter to a place where he can once again understand, or for the first time maybe, really understand who Jesus is. He begins to put the dots together. He begins to understand. He begins to trust the Savior. He goes to the shore, begins to have a conversation with Jesus, and at the end of that conversation, Jesus says this to Peter, feed my sheep. For me, as I read that passage, I see from that time forward, we don't know a lot about Peter, but from that time forward, I believe Peter began to trust God in a way that he had never trusted him before. And could he have really ever done that without the offense that he got? He was offended. He was offended at Christ. I believe he was offended at Christ when he chopped that dude's ear off And Jesus put it back on. Because Peter said, I'm going to die for you. They might might get offended, but this brother's, I'm ready to, we're going out fighting. And he meant it. And he tried. And then Jesus puts this dude's ear back on. And I can just see Peter look at him and like, what is up with that? 
He was offended. He had, did, did, do we read in the scripture that Peter forgive, that he forgave Christ? No. Jesus brought him to a place where he could understand Christ and he could learn to trust Christ. Unresolved offenses erode our trust. Unresolved offenses erode our trust. Whether they're unresolved offenses toward God or whether they're unresolved offenses toward people. The reason why we can't trust people is because we have unresolved offenses to other people. Sometimes we just have to come to a place. I'm going to conclude with this. If you want to stand, that way I'll hurry up. I have to be honest and say I've been struggling with something in my walk with God recently that has really made me re-examine this concept of forgiveness. I told you I... The, the thing about walking with God is there's something about revelation when you think you've got it all figured out. God says, okay, now you, you, you've made it through forgiveness 101. You did well in forgiveness 201. You, 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 you did pretty good in that elevated forgiveness class. You, 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 you did exceptionally well in your master's degree on forgiveness but there's still something else I need you to learn. And I think for me, I've never tied trust and forgiveness together before. So I've been going, going through some things in my walk with God. And, and to be very frank with you, it's been a, it's been a pretty... I don't like using this word because I don't believe it's, it's a word a Christian should use, but I can't think of a, a better word. It's been a very depressed place. Not saying I've been in depression. I, I don't, that's not my point. But it's been a very heavy place. And to be perfectly honest with you, it, it brought me to a place where I began to, to uh, look at people and I won't go into, it's a personal thing, so I'm not really going to go into it. But this thing caused me begin to, and, and as I was having this offense with certain people, my, my mind kept telling me that I needed to forgive them, but they hadn't, re- I didn't know what I needed to forgive them for. It just, and, and really God helped me come to a place where I had to realize that I needed to trust them. I needed to trust their 
I needed to trust the relationship that I have with them. I need to trust their, I know them, I'm, I'm close to them, I know them, I know their motives, I, I know, I think I know, and God helped me to understand this. they weren't doing anything that needed my forgiveness, they, they, I needed to trust that they, their motives were pure. I needed to trust that they were not doing anything, what they were doing that the enemy was trying to make me perceive as, as coming against or a negative thing toward me. I had to trust their motive because they hadn't done anything. I, I was just, I was not, do you, you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't have to forgive people. We have to learn to trust people. Yes, there are sometimes we have to forgive, but then we come to a place where we, and what I mean by that is sometimes someone does something and they they offend us, and we have to trust that their motive was pure. They didn't mean to offend. They didn't go out of their way to offend. They didn't, their, 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 their mindset was not to offend they may not even know that they offended. So, so I need to trust their motive. I need to, especially in the body of Christ, that's what I'm talking about, okay? need to trust their spirit is pure. It's not really about free. It's I trust. And it, it, makes, it makes that forgiveness simpler i don't know if that's the right way to say it but the adversary wants to bring us to a place of division in every aspect of our life he wants to crush us that word offense i didn't i it's in my notes and i didn't cover it but that word offense if you look up that word that word offense means to place a stumbling block in someone's path. That's what the word offense means. It's a stumbling block. God wants to remove all the stumbling blocks in our lives. The only way to do it is forgiveness and trust. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace and your peace tonight, God. Lord, first I personally must say thank you. Thank you that you've been working in my life to help me to even to a greater degree understand the truth and the blessing of forgiveness Lord, I don't want to ever go back to a place where I would hold a grudge. You've helped me. I can't say that getting to this place was an overnight journey, but you've helped me to come to a place. But Lord, I, I thank you because you, you helped me to realize that there's even more to know about forgiveness and this thing called trust. And Lord, help us to understand how trust and forgiveness relate to one another in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. 
Lord, if I'm struggling with trusting, then somewhere there's an offense. If I'm having a problem with trusting someone in my life or some position in my life or trusting You, then there's some kind of an offense that I need to allow You to work on in my life. And I ask You to help each one of us to understand that. Lord, let this be more than just words spoken tonight. But I would ask that You would allow this to be a seed, Lord, that would be planted in our hearts that would germinate and would grow. And Lord, and as we come to those places in our life, we can come back and we can remember what the Word of God has said. And it can help us to grow and become more and more of the people that you desire us to be. Lord, I do pray for everyone that is in this place tonight. If any of us are struggling with offenses or forgiveness, Lord, not you're not talking to us to ridicule us. You're talking to us to let us know your desire is to heal, to deliver, to restore, to revive, you said, the contrite, the crushed. You're talking to us tonight because it's your desire to revive, to restore, to heal. Lord, go with us, keep us, let your word be ever-present in our thoughts and our mind. We give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, And the church said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Greet one another in Jesus' name.